The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. Bet $10 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Cause Light. Get mountain cold refreshment delivered straight to your door via Drizzly or Instacart by going to causelight.com slash SGP. That's causelight.com slash SGP. Also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head over to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. We're also brought to you by Stable Jewel. Stable Jewel is a horse racing DFS app where you can play free or paid games for real cash prizes. You can win as much as $40,000 with one entry. Head over to StableJewel.com to get started today. And of course, make sure to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and all of our free podcasts. Saka. 
Claiming a handball here. Arsenal. Referee doesn't give that. Shaka for Greenwich. Oh, what about that? Greenwich Shaka. Massive goal. 3-1 to the Gunners. And this time, they're not going to improve on that. It's Arsenal who collect the three vital points. Scott, you threw everything at them and came away with nothing. How did that happen? Goals change games of football and for us, we didn't put the ball in the back of the net enough and they did. We dominated the first 20, 25 minutes of the second half and they go up our end of the pitch and score, which is, which is about the way it's going at the minute. But as I say, there's, there's a whole lot of problems in terms of players, staff, everything higher up. We need, to, we need to concentrate with just what happens on the pitch. It's self-pride whenever we go on the pitch and nothing else. We don't need to worry about who's saying what or this, that or the other. It's pride when you go on the pitch. Give your best, everyone. Yeah, is that the message through the dressing room, or is it, is it more complicated than that? Yeah, there's a lot of things going on at the minute, don't get me wrong, but yeah. for us, when we get back in the dressing room, it's go home and take a look at yourself in the mirror. You can't go, go back to your house and be satisfied with conceding three goals away at Arsenal whenever we deserve to win the game. That's just not the way that, that football works. And, and for us, self-belief, lack of confidence, you can see it all in the last say two months sort of thing, which has been, which has been coming, and then we have a half-decent game today, and even then, it's... The belief, which is which is so big in football and confidence, it's it's just not there at the minute. The fact that Eric Ten Hag is now coming in does that give you some clarity? Does it does it focus focus everybody's minds? Yeah, the, the last four games are about pride for us, going out on the pitch and, and showing a bit of balls with your performances and not shying away from the wall or not doing everything right. It's it's for us. We've got to finish as well, as well as we possibly can do. But as I say, when the new coach comes in, we need to be ready for for everything. We need to be so dialed in and, and concentrated on our jobs that we impress him, and then we can we can build from there. What do you think he will have seen today, Ten Hag? Yeah, obviously, it's difficult for me when you're playing like you're yeah. so lost in the game and stuff like that. I wouldn't I wouldn't like to say, but as I say. It's, it's looking at next season in terms of how we can improve and what we can do and the players that we do bring in how much can they add to the group and, and for myself it's, it's it's a bit of balls in your performances man that's why it comes down to the fundamentals of football it's, it's difficult for me to speak right now because you're so high in emotions after a game and, and the last two months like that but it's it comes down to the basics and, and we're never doing well enough in, in big games recently thank you Scott you are listening to BetMUFC here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the BetMUFC Twitter account at BetMUFC. That's at BetMUFC. You can also follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast. They are at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. And finally, also follow my Twitter account, LockBetting.com. That's LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com. So LockBetting.com without the dot. LockBetting.com is my premium pay service that is on the verge of delivering 107 months in a row of transparent profit. Therefore, if we navigate next month, we will be able to say we have 108 months. And 108 months is significant because we will be able to say we are undefeated in sports betting every single month for nine years. That's nine years without a single losing month. If you want to come aboard the journey for month number 108, head over to LockBetting.com and sign up on May the 1st. Do not sign up before May the 1st because you will be billed for the month of April and we just have a few days left. If you want to get a week of action for the month of April, that will include soccer, NBA and everything else that we put out. You can shoot me a DM at the Twitter account at LockBetting.com. 
and I'll let you know how you can get the plays for the rest of this month. We only have a few days left, and then you can sign up on May the 1st for LockBetting.com. In the meantime, if you want to do your research, as I always say, the pin tweet at LockBetting.com, the Twitter account, is the PL for the previous month, and that will be the month of March. If you look through the month of March, you'll see the comments and whatnot verifying everything that we do. Also, look at the type of bets we do to make sure that you can get all that stuff at your books. And then also, if you want to look a little bit further back underneath the bottom you'll see little tags they say things like football tennis nba etc one of them says pnl and that'll give you access to all of the previous pnls again have a look through see how much money we win see the type of bets we do see the type of stakes that we put out and see the members comments verifying it if everything looks good to you then sign up in time for may the first to be a part of may the month where we'll be looking for month number 108 and month number 108 will equal nine years undefeated every single month for nine years over at lockbetting.com. That will be a phenomenal achievement. It was phenomenal to get to month number 107 months ago. And now we are looking at a new landmark here, month number 108, which will be nine years undefeated. Moving on to this edition of Bet MUFC. I remember nine years ago when I started this service, Manchester United were a top team. And I don't know if the situation has looked any worse than it does now. There's two sides to to look at this. For Eric Ten Hag, it could be a very, very difficult job. Or it could be a very, very easy job. Very, very difficult because Manchester United are expected to challenge for trophies. And to go from where they are now to challenging for trophies is a very, very difficult job. However, in terms of what would be success, in terms of what would represent success next season, the bar has never, ever been lower. So for Eric, for Eric Ten Hag to come in next season, yes, Manchester United are a massive club. And yes, we should be challenging for the Premier League title and for other honours as well. But a fourth place finish next season and with a team playing a lot better than they are at the moment, that would represent a massively successful season for Ten Hag. If you can add a trophy to that, that would be an incredible start for Eric Ten Hag. And despite the fact that everything looks bad at the moment, we do look like we are going to be losing some of the players who I consider to be the parasites that are holding this team down. We do have some talent there. They just don't seem to know what to do and when to do it at the right time. And we are going to get another 200 million to spend. And that should be enough for Eric Ten Hag to implement his style of play. If he's able to keep the players he wants to keep, bringing 200 million pounds worth of players, we should be able to get Eric Ten Hag off to the right start. However, my biggest concern with all of this is that it is another reset at Manchester United. Now, David Moyes was a little bit different to Alex Ferguson, but essentially he was just picking up the baton that was passed him by by Fergie and he didn't really change too much. He didn't make any major signings and that was a poor season. Moyes wasn't given any time in the second season to fix that. He was gone before the end of his first season. That was a disaster. After that, we had the first reset, the first proper reset with Louis van Gaal, who did things very differently. He got us back into the Champions League and he won the FA Cup in his second season, although that wouldn't have qualified us for the Champions League because his second season he came fifth and that was ultimately what got him sacked. He didn't get that third season to sort things out. Then we had Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho delivered three trophies to Old Trafford in his first season, including the Europa League. He then got us to second place the following season and an FA Cup final. And in his third season, after a poor start, he was sacked. 
And then we went in a completely different direction with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. We then had Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for three years. That didn't work. We sacked him. We put in Ralph Ragnick as an interim. And now we're hiring Eric Ten Hag, who's completely different once again from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's another reset. And every single reset brings in new players, brings in fresh ideas. And if those ideas don't work, you're stuck with what was left there. And the new manager has to come in and he wants to get all of the players out the door that were in line with the ideas of the previous manager. So it's a continuous problem here where you have different managers coming in with new ideologies and they don't want the players that you've signed to long-term contracts. Manchester United's contract situation is an absolute joke. If I was to run through what some of these players were being paid, and I I may do that on the next episode when we have time, you would absolutely be stunned with what we're paying certain people. So... It's a, it's a bad situation, but Eric Ten Hag is getting this team as we're coming out of it, and he doesn't have to renew any of these contracts. He doesn't have to deal with the likes of Pogba and Jesse Lingard, and it does seem like a fresh start, and we're hoping desperately that this is the man who can rejuvenate Manchester United and get us where we need to be. I mean, history tells you, when you look at Ten Hag so far, that this is the right man for the job. This is the type of manager we probably should have gone for from the beginning. Initially, obviously, we went for for, for David Moyes because that was in line with Ferguson. But then after that, we started going for these these very, very experienced, well-known managers who were very, very established in football, very stubborn and very married to, to their ideas. And it created conflict in, in the dressing room with both Van Gaal, who Van Gaal had his run-ins with Di Maria, and then Jose Marina, who had his run-ins with everybody. So now we're going through this to this new direction where we're bringing in this, this new school manager with, with new school ideas. And it does seem like a step in the right direction. It just depends whether the players are going to take this on board. Um, let's listen to Paul Scholes' thoughts about the appointment of Eric Ten Hag and, and the state of affairs at Manchester United. And then lo and behold, they have announced a new manager, Eric Ten Hag. What do you think? Was, is, will that help things now that it's out in the open? Well, uh, time will tell, I suppose. Um, I think it's an appointment that... Look, I think there's an element of risk with, with, with every appointment. Um, I think it's one... Not one. I don't think they chose an elite manager, one of the very best at a, you know, a big club who's won Champions Leagues, won leagues constantly um, at the, in the big countries, I mean. But they've taken a risk on a, a man who could potentially get there. Um, I, I think the reason they've chosen him is, is, is his style of football, really attacking style of football, possession-based as well. He's very good with the U-team players, as he's shown at Ajax, he's probably had to do more, more of at Ajax. Um, and, and time will tell, Steve. Um, United are in a, a bad way at the minute. He's still got, he'll have a lot of hard work to do. You know, we talk about people saying it could take two or three windows. No chance. There's so far behind the best teams in this league Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea, even. Um, even Arsenal, Tottenham, you can bring into that. I don't think a million miles away from them, don't get me wrong, but I think it could be a good three, four, even five years before we see the benefit of this manager. And they have to stick with him. He looks like a manager who... <laughs> they have to, they have, look, I, I know, this, this isn't Ajax. We, we know that Manchester United is ten times the size of club, ten times the size, the amount of expectation, that pressure that, that's going to be on him. And, and there will be times, especially next season, in the season after, where 
they're going to lose three or four games. Almost similar in the way that you know what Arsenal have done with Arteta. They, they've stuck with them. They can see a philosophy. They can see a way of playing. And United have to be, you know, they have to be patient with them. Yeah, I wasn't really keen on the comparison to Arsenal because Arsenal haven't really done much. They won an FA Cup under Arteta and since then they've been getting players out the door and this season they're challenging for the top four but that's mainly down to the fact that Tottenham and Manchester United seem to continually keep blowing it. They seem to continue to drop points which allow Arsenal to lose three games in a row and still get themselves back in the top four with, with a couple of wins. So I'm not really convinced by the, the Arsenal model. At some point, you do need to sign world-class players and, and spend money to go along with that. Yeah, it's all good and well signing Ben White and, and Aaron Ramsdale into your squad, but you do need to sign some top, top quality talent. And that's the difference. Manchester United have a lot more money to spend. They have a lot more financial firepower. So I expect things to move a lot more quickly if this is the step in the right direction, if this does work. I don't think it's going to take four or five years. I think it's just going to take one or two years. I expect us to challenge again for the Champions League next season. I feel that we are a better team than Arsenal. I feel like we already showed that on on Saturday. I feel like we dominated that game. I feel like every referee decision went against us. We had a clear push on Alanga. There was a handball that um, when Jaden Sancho was dribbling into the box against Cedric, that was clear as day. Um, Bruno Fernandes should not have been stepping up for that penalty. Bruno Fernandes missed an open goal in the first half. So everything went against Manchester United as far as the officials went on Saturday. So I'm not holding too much weight into that loss. What I'm looking at is how Man United dominated that game. I'm looking at Man United who defended poorly and they cannot defend that poorly again next season. I think they'll be more organised with a manager who has full power and full say. Um, We've beaten Tottenham twice this season. We always seem to beat Tottenham when we play them. So I think that we're better than them. I think Chelsea's situation is up in the air at the moment. They're already losing Anthony uh, Antonio Rudiger because he's not able to sign a new contract. I only see players going out of Chelsea more so than I see going in next summer. I think it's going to be a very, very difficult season for them until they sort out their ownership. So there is an opportunity for Manchester United to get back into the top three. Are we going to compete with Liverpool and Manchester City? Absolutely not. If Liverpool lose Mo Salah, what will that do to Mo? What will that do to Liverpool? Will they drop down significantly? I don't think they'll drop down significantly, but I do think it makes it easier for Manchester United to catch them. But what I also feel it will do is make Manchester City, the runaway winners of the Premier League next season, and we won't really see a title race. In fact, it looked like for long periods of season that we wouldn't see a title race anyway, and Liverpool, to their credit, clawed their way back into it. And that very much looks like it could potentially be a Champions League final and a title race that goes down to the end of the season. So, I don't think all hope is lost with Manchester United, but the players have to buy into the philosophies of Eric Ten Hag. There is no way that we can have another season with a divided dressing room once again. So looking at these players, um, who it's this isn't about who I want to see stay and who I want to see go, because quite frankly, I'm not married to, to any of them, even as high up as Cristiano Ronaldo. I would like to see Cristiano Ronaldo stay. He has scored 22 goals this season. But if Eric Ten Hag decides that that isn't the way to go with a 37-year-old striker and that's not the direction he wants to go in, I will completely understand it. If he decides that he doesn't want Rafa Varane at centre-back and there's a reason why Real Madrid sold him and he is past his best, even though he's not that old, then I will understand it. For me personally... The the main players that I would like to keep would be Cristiano Ronaldo, Rafa Varane, 
Jaden Sancho, I think, deserves a, a proper season, which isn't a big mess like this one. Um, Mason Greenwood, I feel that I would like to see him brought into the fold. Obviously, he's going to have to have some counselling or whatever, and he's going to have to show that he's developed himself and has come through his problems and his issues or whatnot. But I don't think his Man United career is over. I would like to see him back. I think he's extremely talented. And then aside from that, you would only say David De Gea. I think even Bruno Fernandes this season has had a very, very poor season. And it's almost like he's a disruption in this team. It seems like you have to put him in there and you can only have him in there by building a team around him. It seems like he has to occupy that that number 10 position behind the striker. And then you have to have two holding midfielders to protect him. And I just asked the question, is Bruno Fernandes good enough to build your whole team around. It's no doubt about it. He's been great for Man United for that season and a half. He's had a bad season this year. Um, But is he like a Kevin De Bruyne? Is he good enough to build your entire team around him so that you have to compensate for him by having two holding midfielders to protect the fact that Bruno Fernandes doesn't like to get around the pitch, does like to throw his arms up and moan, and just wants to sit in as a quarterback and play nice balls and and get forward and get into positions to have shots at goal and, and, and assist people? Is he good enough at scoring those goals and making those assists and doing the things that he does to warrant the fact that we build an entire team around Bruno Fernandes? I'm not sure. Again, if Eric Ten Hag decides that next season Bruno Fernandes starts on the bench and he wants to go with Donny van der Beek in that position because he's more versatile and, and contributes a lot more and is a lot more fluid because looking at the way Eric Ten Hag likes to play, yes, He sets up with a 4-2-3-1 formation all of the time, but it's fluid because the wingers can swap over. The man in the centre behind the striker will swap over with the wingers. You can see midfielders um, interchanging where one of the uh, one of the midfielders who's put out as a defensive midfielder on paper will suddenly be in an attacking position and he'll be covered by the by the guy who was supposed to be the playmaker when the team sheets went out. So there's 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 interchange all over the place. Another thing he does, which is interesting, is that. He starts with a back four, but if a team is one of his teams is attacking down the right hand side, what you'll see is the is that fullback joins into the attack. And what you'll see is that the other three defenders then resort to a back three, allowing the fullback to join the attack, giving you the extra man in the attack. That's what he does all the time. So if you're attacking on the left, you'll see that left back basically become a, a left winger and join the attack. But if you're attacking down the right, you'll see that the right back go as forward as possible. And then the defence will shift over to make a back three in case there is a, a loss of possession. And to avoid the counter attack, you'll then have three centre backs across the back and obviously then it's essential to have a fit holding midfielder who can cover you and that's why we need to sign a top quality player in that position so we are already almost 23 minutes into the show so we are going to look at who Manchester United may keep and who Manchester United may get rid of in the eyes of Eric Ten Hag not in my eyes because as I said I would get rid of a lot more players than it's probably realistic. I don't think it's going to be very easy to get rid of Harry Maguire when he has years left on his contract and we paid 80 million for him and clubs would probably not be willing to pay any more than 30 million for him with the way he's played this season. So that's not realistic as much as I would like to see him go. I'm going to look at how things could realistically pan out and who Eric Ten Hag would like to keep. 
and who he would like to get out of the door. So we're going to look at that on the next episode. We're going to go player by player because, as I said, we have lots of time now. It's not worth looking back too much on the previous game. Yes, we look back a little bit on the Arsenal game, but it isn't really worth it now. Manchester United have nothing to play for. I don't think we're going to drop into the Europa Conference League positions because I think West Ham are preoccupied with the Europa League. And at the same time, we have no chance of a Champions League spot. So we are going to finish in sixth spot. We are going to be in the Europa League next season. These games that are coming up are pretty much irrelevant. We will cover them for for betting reasons. But what we will do with the vast majority of the time is look ahead to next season and try and guess what Eric Ten Hag is going to do and how the next season may look. So moving on to tomorrow's game, Manchester United are at home to Chelsea where United are now the significant underdogs due to a plethora of injuries to the squad. They are now the 23 to 10 underdogs. It's 5 to 2 on the draw and Chelsea are the 11 to 10 favorites. I was spot on with how I broke down the the Arsenal game on the show. Well, in terms of the results, I said it would be over two and a half goals. I said both teams would score because they need to go for it. And I predicted that Arsenal would win this game and essentially end Manchester United's season. But by the time kickoff came around, I was pretty optimistic that Manchester United would at least get something from the game due to the omission of Harry Maguire. That selection alone gave me confidence. But... It just seems like the defence is is so brittle at the moment and so disorganised that it doesn't matter who you take in or out, be it Maguire, be it the combination of Lindelof and Varane. Confidence is so low that Manchester United seem to concede every time Arsenal had an attack in that game. So it is a Maguire problem and I don't really want to see him start next season because he makes ridiculous individual errors. But at the same time, the defence were not in sync. They were not organised. We conceded bad goals yet again. So that was poor on my part, although watching the game, Man United should have won that game. Now, that sounds crazy because they lost 3-1. They lost by two clear goals. But if you actually watch the game, you would see what I, what I spoke about earlier on in terms of Man United not being given penalties, Arsenal being given a generous penalty for the second goal, uh, Bruno Fernandes missing that. If Bruno Fernandes scores that penalty and Manchester United come back from 2-0 down, bearing in mind how shaky Arsenal have looked at times this season, bearing in mind Arsenal just lost three games before they beat Chelsea. If Arsenal had relinquished a two-goal lead to us and Ronaldo had taken that penalty and scored, Ronaldo would have got another hat-trick and Manchester United would have won that game. I'm absolutely confident about that. So coming into this game, you have two teams whose seasons are essentially over. Chelsea are looking ahead now to an FA Cup. I think the win against West Ham keeps them ahead of Arsenal. Going into that game, Chelsea were just two points ahead of Arsenal, although they did have two games in hand, this being one of them. But uh, that win has now recreated a five-point buffer. And I think Chelsea are safe in third place and now will be looking ahead to that FA Cup final. And as for Manchester United, as I mentioned, loads and loads of players are going missing now. Conveniently, we have a lot of injuries. Um, Luke Shaw opted to get surgery. Paul Pogba decided to come off against Liverpool. Didn't look like there was anything wrong with him, but apparently he has a muscular injury that's going to keep him out for the rest of the season. Now Sancho's injured as well. Fred's been out for, for a couple of weeks. He isn't back. So a big, big injury list here. It seems like this team want the season over. And I think the lesser of two evils here is Chelsea. Chelsea are looking ahead to an FA Cup final, but they haven't really stopped playing. They had a little bit of a dip 
for that Arsenal game. And prior to that, they did have back-to-back defeats against Real Madrid and Brentford. But they have also navigated their way into an FA Cup final. They did get themselves into the position to be in a Champions League quarterfinal. They then won the away leg against Real Madrid, which they dominated. They've gone on a really good run to secure themselves third place. They weren't that great coming into 2022, but they've gone on a solid run, which has seen them secure third place comfortably. So this is a team that I think will still will still win this game. Chelsea have won each of the last eight away games coming into this and come up against a Man United team who, as I said, just want the season to be over. Man United come into this having lost three of their last four and have conceded 10 goals in the process, while this Chelsea side have scored 24 times across their last eight away games. And as I mentioned, they've won every single one of those eight games. Chelsea have also managed to score at least twice in each of their last seven away from home. And I would think that two goals here would be enough here to beat a Manchester United team, given that three of Chelsea's last four Premier League away games have seen them win to nil. And because Man United have lost five of their last eight matches in all competitions and three of their last four. So I don't think that things are going to get any better here for Manchester United. I actually had a ticket to this game and I have a ticket to the Brentford game as well. I'm deciding to not travel up and use my ticket tomorrow. That's how much the season is done. I'm actually not travelling for a soccer game that I have tickets for. It's absolutely pointless. Um, I'm not going to be making two trips up to Manchester to watch this team play out irrelevant games. I will be going to the final game against Brentford on Monday. That'll be the final game at Old Trafford this season. I'm going to that because it's a bank holiday. Uh, I can go on Sunday. I don't need to come back till Tuesday. So it's going to be a little bit of a getaway. My kid enjoys going to Manchester and that's really about it. That's my reason to go down there. We want to go to a couple of places that we enjoy going to in Manchester and we won't be back again until August when the new season starts. So it's really not much to do with Manchester United at all. Manchester United, seeing Manchester United is secondary on this trip. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not going on Thursday and I am going at the weekend because if I go on Thursday, we'll be going up after he finishes school and be coming straight back after the game finishes so he can go to school on Friday. I just don't think it is worth doing that at the moment. And I think that really tells you everything about where Manchester United are at. I think that tells you how the supporters are probably going to react to the the team. I think the main thing I'm really looking for is to see how many protests we see against the Glazers because big protests are expected tomorrow. And I think we'll see even bigger protests going into the bank holiday because that's a weekend and and nobody's going to be working on, on Sunday and Monday. So that, I think, is going to be the most interesting part of it. There's really no interest in the games. That's why we're kind of taking an approach here on this show to talk more so about the, the future and next season with Eric Ten Hag. We can now go back to discussing the top four over on the Soccer Gambling Podcast because that is still interesting because it really is neck and neck between Tottenham and Arsenal. And potentially, that game between Tottenham and Arsenal at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium could be the game that decides it. That could be like a a playoff final, but at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, because that could really be the deciding factor. Because after that game, 
every game for Tottenham, in my opinion, is completely winnable. So if they go into that game in the same position that they're in now, with Tottenham trailing Arsenal by a couple of points, then that one really is going to be a, a massive, massive game. And if you're a neutral, that's what you want. Also, we, we have a play on Arsenal not to reach the top four over at lockbetting.com. You can still actually get that play at plus money. So... I'll certainly be pulling for Tottenham as that's a play I desperately want to cash. But at the moment, Arsenal are the favourites as the two teams have played the same number of games. They have five games left and Arsenal are two points clear. That's it for this edition of Bet MUFC. Good luck with all of your bets as always, guys. And thanks for listening.